Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. What's up, everybody out there in podcast land? We are back for another edition of Why We Love. Thank you so much for checking out the All Things Narrative podcast. And if this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you for stopping by. We're glad to have you. And if you want to learn more about all the wonderful things we're doing, including our uh, coaching programs, workshops, classes, check out allthingsnarrative.com. Follow us on social media. And yes, I am excited today. I mean, I'm always excited, but sometimes you get a guest in for these episodes that is just, you, you've got some history with, and there's just so much that they bring to the table that you just feel honored to be able to have them on this episode. And so as we're going to continue this series that we're doing on genres and understanding, you know, not just what these genres are that we find in stories, but the piece that perhaps is missing a lot of the time is why do we care? Why do we gravitate so much to these different kinds of stories and being able to think of our life story through the lenses of these different genres. And so with today, with this idea of talking about the journey and specifically talking about that in regards to action and adventures, there's somebody in my mind who's very synonymous with the concept of journey. And I want to introduce you all to him today. He is the great one and only Proverb Newsome. Hey, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. It's a uh, it's a uh, pleasure to be here on the All Things Narrative uh, podcast. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah. Prav and I go way back. We have known each other. Well, I mean, we first made contact about ten years ago. Um, I can't believe it's been that long, right? Uh, but Proverb actually used to be my supervisor and, you know, over the years we've just become friends, gotten to be on his podcast, The Soul Journey. The Soul Journey. Right? So what I love about your podcast is this idea of you interviewing people Mm -hmm. and just being able to better understand their journeys, their stories, right? And so the journey metaphor is really profound uh, to use in talking about our lives. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, because especially we, in what you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So being able to understand our lives as journeys, how does that help us to navigate challenges? How does that help us to have perspective mm-hmm. when things in life aren't always going our way? And so I love how you, you did that on your podcast. You, you helped uh, interview people and really creating that space for people's journeys to be told. Yeah. And that's inspired me a lot with, uh, when we have people on here talking about their stories as well. Thanks. Bro. So I think about you every time I interview someone. I and appreciate that. Yeah. Besides that though, proverb, uh, proverbs got a, a wealth of other talents and, and things that he's a part of as well. So in addition to the work that you do with youth, uh, through urban youth impact and through your church, uh, you also are a hip hop artist. That's correct. Who just dropped a new album in November? I did. I did. I dropped my third full length album in November, the end of November. It's called Narrow Road Commuter, 
And uh, man, I, I love it. It's like I, I, it's one of my favorite albums that I've done personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really attached to it. That's always a good feeling yeah. when you put so much time into your art and creativity, and then you're you're able to look at it as a finished product and go, "Wow, yeah, this is this is one of my best." Yeah, for sure. And I agree with that. I oh, think it is you. one of your best albums, Appreciate if not, it, maybe even my favorite. Okay, so all right, dope. So, but I I really enjoy it. So, yeah. So it's good to have you on here. And we're going to dive into the next genre on our list. So just okay. to kind of recap you and any of our listeners who maybe haven't heard our previous episodes in this series. So we started this back in February. And right now, at the time this is coming out, this is April. So there have been two installments that are out. So the first one I did with uh, with my wife, Tori. Okay. And we did the romance genre. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. that came out on Valentine's Day. So okay. that was, you know, very appropriate all around. Sure. And then the last episode that I did with some of the guys, with Nick and Jason, uh, we did this idea of what what I like to call the metaphysical journey. Okay. This is a... That sounds deep, man. Yeah, it is. And it's it's not really a genre of story that we tend to classify stories in, mm -hmm. but... Once I describe it to people, they're like, oh, duh, there's lots of stories I could think of that are like this. And it's basically a story that focuses on some internal inward transformation that's necessary to take place uh, on a philosophical, religious, or spiritual level. Okay. So right. these are a lot of the biblical narratives. Mm -hmm. This is um, a lot of stories that are reflections on the meaning of life, right? So you think of like Pixar's soul or you think of uh, Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life or, you know, all, all different types of films that, that can do this. So I wanted to talk about that because that really emphasizes this kind of inward journey. Yeah. Now there's a series of genres that emphasize the external journey, right? The journey of dealing with challenges that present themselves in different ways. And so this is kind of like the first of a three-parter of dealing with those. So today we're going to really dive into the action and even, you know, adventure side of it as well. And then the next two ones that the guys are going to be back for, we're going to be dealing with uh, fantasy Ah, okay. and science fiction. Okay. So all genres that utilize the journey metaphor. Nice. And so this is kind of our kickstart of it. that. Glad to be a part of this. Yeah. And not the metaphysical one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's kind of let's kind of dive into this okay, a bit and kind of we'll, we'll define it a little bit before we kind of give some examples and we'll talk about what our personal life stories sure. would look like through this. Okay. So there's a book that we're using uh, to kind of inform these ideas called the Screenwriter's Taxonomy. Hmm. It's a recent book that came out, I think, in 2017. Okay. Uh, but what I really like about it is this whole conversation about understanding story genres can get really confusing. And this book, better than any other book I've read, really does a good job at classifying all these different things. And so they kind of have these different categories. Mm -hmm. So at the top, they have comedy and drama, not as genres in and of themselves, but actually as spectrums that you could take any story and it will have 
a certain amount of comedy and a certain amount of drama attached to it, right? Okay, all right. So the theory is that if you take any genre and you really analyze it and go deep into it, and like if something that you just say, oh, it's just a comedy, it's just a drama. No, there's probably something else in there. Gotcha. So there's layers. There's layers yeah. to it. It's, and that's what I like about this book. So it's it's like comedy and drama are kind of the top layer uh-huh. of all stories. You could take any story and put it in and say, okay, 60% is comedy, 40% is drama. Gotcha. Then you move into the next level or the next layer, which is what are called the the super genres. And he identifies 11 of these. Mm. So these are like the Big genres that we tend to think of. So crime, horror, thriller, mm-hmm. romance. Right. Uh, in this case, action. action. Action would fall in one of those. And then there's 50 macro genres that are that. So you could have, and I'll give some examples with action today, mm-hmm. um, but you can have like an action film, but the macro genre be the superhero film, yeah, right? Yeah. So superhero is a type of action film. Yep. And then you have micro genres, which there's like a hundred of something of those. Jeez. And then you have, yeah, then you get into pathways and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So it's very comprehensive, which is what I love about this book. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like dude spent a lot of time uh, dissecting and, and analysis, analysis, Analyzing? No, that's not a word. Analyzing. Analyzing, yeah, yeah, there yeah. it is. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, analyzing <laughs> uh, films and stuff like that. I, yeah. I had no idea. I'm, I just watch movies, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's how a lot of us are. Cool. It's like, yeah. oh, we just take it in. But then I, what we like to do with all things narrative is we're exploring the, the why. Why do we yep. really appreciate that? If we could better understand mm-hmm. something, we can better understand ourselves mm-hmm. and what it is about us that is coming alive yeah. when we gravitate towards that. So in my uh, Live a Meaningful Story program, mm-hmm. in the first session, I ask people to think about their life as a genre. Mm. And so that's also one of the reasons why I want to do this series because I get a lot of people that are like, I don't understand the genre. Like, I don't understand how I could look through my life story like that. So like the example I gave last time with the metaphysical journey is, you know, we're, we're both uh, Christians. Yeah. So there is a way that you can tell your story through the lens of your journey with, uh, with Christ, mm-hmm. with God, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is, we call that our testimonies. Yeah. So that would actually, what we're actually doing there is we are telling our life story as if it's a metaphysical journey. Okay. That's right. A, yeah. Now we can do that with any of these genres. I never can, really thought about it. Like we that can before. do it with yeah. a romance. So you can tell your life story through all the different romances that you've had. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you could do it with action. And so let me give kind of a definition of what is your life story like through the action genre. Okay. The action story is one filled with visceral, cathartic moments that tests characters physically and mentally. We are invited to travel with our protagonist along a journey with each escalating trial as they strive to defeat evil and bring about good. These stories allow us to identify with that protagonist, challenging us to ponder how we might handle their situation if we were in it. Mm. 
The action genre reminds us that internal transformation serves a larger purpose in helping us deal with the external challenges we face in life. The action thereby shapes one's identity, each action set piece serving as a turning point in the narrative. Meaningful action stories powerfully illustrate to us how there are battles worth fighting, beauties worth rescuing, and ultimately, adventures worth living. Mm, that's a great definition of an action movie. And That's from the book? No, that, I came up with that. You came up with that? Yeah. Nah, see, and now I know why you're in the you graduated from the master's program. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's that's fan, that's dope. Thanks. That, and that that nails it because when you watch an action movie, you can see everything you just described in there. Right. Yeah. That's what I try yep. to do with these definitions is kind of give that comprehensive. I mean, it can't always cover everything. Right. But giving a comprehensive overview mm -hmm. and applying that to our lives. Dude, there. that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Let's uh let's kind of give some examples of Let's what this it. looks like. Let's and, get it. And we'll kind of we'll kind of see how this how this plays out here. So there's lots of great action films out there. Many of the greatest films of all time, or mm -hmm. most popular films of all time, Our action, yeah. would fall into this genre. For sure. Now I wanna give a disclaimer here. <laughs> There were some genres, like the metaphysical journey, I know so many of those, and I, I pop them off like it's no tomorrow. So a lot of the big action genre franchises, I actually haven't seen. Okay. So I've never seen uh, the Kingsman series, Kingsman Secret Service. Nope. I've never seen, seen any Mission Impossible film. Seen a few of them. I've never seen John Wick or any of those. Nope. Haven't seen that either. I've never seen any Mad Max film. Uh, one. Okay. I've seen one. I've never seen any Fast and the Furious. Seen a couple. Okay. I've never seen any Bourne film. Ooh, I've seen like, <laughs> I think two or three of those. Okay. Those Even are, my wife has seen those. Those so. are dope, man. You got to dive into those. Yeah. Those are pretty incredible. Yeah. I've never seen any Lethal Weapon, never seen any Predator, and okay. never any Edgar Wright uh, film, which... Which is embarrassing because, like, you know, you're the story guy and I'm trying to keep up with all these great stories out there. But my first omission with this is that I don't tend to gravitate towards films that are pure action in okay. and of themselves. Okay. I tend to like stories that are in other genres that have lots of action and mm -hmm. heavy action set pieces in them, yeah, right? That makes sense. So, like, the yeah. superhero genre is an, an example of that. But... One of my favorite action films, uh, which is considered by many to be, you know, like if you're in conversations about what are some of the greatest films of all time, mm. this one's always going to come up in those lists. Ooh, I'm excited to uh, hear what it is. It's called uh, Seven Samurais. Seven Samurais. Nope. Have you heard of it, though? Nope. Wow. Okay. <laughs> nope. It's the, uh, it's an old one, and it's basically considered to be the first, like, uh, Kind of like that that team up, like where they have to get. Uh, basically, there's like a a town, like a village, where yeah. they're they're facing a lot of troubles uh, in different ways, and 
they're, they want to bring the samurais in to help defend the village, to look out for them. Mm-hmm. And so the guy assembles the team. Okay. You know, it's like the first Avengers. Like yeah, yeah. Assembling a team. They're of, all samurais. And though. each samurai has a different personality, okay. different strengths, different weaknesses, right? Sounds so like it's Ninja like a, Turtles. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really cool. It's actually a very foundational film for a yeah. lot. Like, how do you, it's uh, ensemble. That's what I'm looking for. Ensemble. It's one of the first really big ensemble pieces okay. where you bring in all these different actors to play all these different roles mm-hmm. and you kind of put them all bring them all together and do a really cool story yeah and it's cool because it's like you know some of the samurais you know they don't make it some of them die so it's like there's that sense of stakes and yeah, risk no reward. one's safe yeah risk and reward yeah. is a big part mm-hmm. of action stories there so that's a good one i highly recommend all that. right i'll try to check it out man yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that that's definitely one that's that's worth seeing for sure. Now, when we talk about that spectrum mm-hmm. of comedy and drama, okay. so let me give you an example of an action film that's heavy on the comedy side of it, okay. action film that's heavy on the drama side of it. All right. So one that comes to mind with the comedy side is, have you ever seen 21 Jump Street? Um, so the movie I've seen bits and pieces of. Okay. I used to be a huge fan of the TV show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, look, great. Loved the TV great. show. TV show was great. So what did you really enjoy about it? Um, that the characters were young. Um, at the same time, I was young. You yeah, know, we were around the same age. Uh, they were doing some really cool adult stuff, like they were, uh, you know, cops, like undercover. Yeah, um, and just had everything that a, a cop had access to, but as a young person, mm, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And they were moving in these circles of other young people who had no idea who they were. But they knew, yeah. and they were, you know. So I, I, I just thought that was really, really cool. Like, was it, that, was it, was it funny? Like, was it more on the comedy side? Like in the, nah, like not, in the not film? like the movie, not like the movie. It was a little bit more drama than the movie. Okay, um, that's but, a good example yeah. of that spectrum there. Yeah, for sure, man. And you know, it's the first time I ever saw Johnny Depp anywhere. Johnny Depp wasn't. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that must have been early Johnny Depp. Early Johnny Depp. Yeah, super early. You know, uh, do you know what his first film ever was? No, nah, what what was it? Nightmare on Elm Street. Really? Did he get killed? His, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That that was his first film though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the film is hilarious. Okay. You know, All um, right. it's a uh, it's Lord and Miller, so I'm a sucker for their sense of humor. Okay. Uh, but. That's funny, man. Yeah, so that's that's one on the comedy end, but the show is on the dramatic end, so that's that's fascinating mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the drama side of it, uh, Die Hard, which yeah. is easily considered by many to be one of the great action. Maybe yeah. some people will even put it at number one. Like it is the greatest action film because it really it really changed things because. You know, at a time when a lot of the action stars were kind of these super macho, vulnerable, mm-hmm. yep. invincible figures, Bruce Willis and Die Hard was a little more vulnerable. Yeah, just an time. everyday, ordinary cop. That's right. In this situation, yeah, no going, big muscles like Schwarzenegger or uh, Stallone. Just a dude. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of tension. You know, there's mm-hmm. the. You know, he's got his. Uh, He's got a lot of obstacles to overcome. Yeah, and he's got family, and yep. he's got it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> that's that's the great debate. Is it a Christmas movie or isn't it a Christmas? Yeah, I think I think, I think I it's think, a Christmas movie. Yeah, I think you can yeah. rock it at Christmas yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it always came like the events in the movie always happened around the time that it was Christmas. Yeah, in the film, so right. that it makes it a Christmas movie. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, but that's definitely more on the drama. Would you say more on the drama side? 
Drama and suspense. Like, like dramatic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, drama so, and suspense. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. It's cool that you can see with any of these genres, you know, we did it with romance, did mm-hmm. it with the metaphysical journey. It's cool that you can see this with uh, with action as well, that you can yeah. have some action films that are just hilarious and some that are just really suspenseful and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And talking about more of these, the super genres, so when you pair an action with another super genre, so like sci-fi is is another one of those super genres that we're going to get into. So a good example that I could think of of like an action that has a lot of those sci-fi elements in it. Did you ever watch G.I. Joe? I haven't like, seen that either. But did you watch the show growing up? The, like growing the, up, yes. The animated yes, show? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I watched that, yeah. So that yeah. has some science fiction elements yeah, into cool. it, you know, yeah. with, with Cobra and the technology mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So funny story in that show. Because I, I, I watched the 80s show as well. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great. The films... I haven't seen them, they're, man. They're not worth your time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think they're very good. They're entertaining. Like, they have some entertainment value to them. Yeah. But I think if you watch the show, it's just going to make you frustrated. Okay. Because it's like... If it's not true to the, the, real, the, the first thing, then yeah. Well, it's like some things they get right, and it's really cool when they mm. get it right. And then there's other things where it's just like... Like, they make Duke and the Baroness a couple, mm. like an estranged couple on each of the sides, right? Okay, Which okay. I'm like, that's weird. And they make the Baroness American, so she's not even Russian. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of weird, weird things in there. Yeah. But in the show, it's interesting, though, because a lot of these action projects um, get made. Anything that involves military, like U.S. military, mm-hmm. they have to uh, get approval Really? And, yes. Didn't yes. Know that. And so, like, like, like the first Iron Man film with Robert Downey Jr. Yep. That's actually the U.S. military was collaborating with with the filmmakers there. Okay. Um, I I'm pretty sure like with Top Gun, like things which we'll yeah, talk about, yeah, things like that, yeah. they do that with. Yep. But with GI Joe, there's a really funny story out there, where in the GI Joe animated show, there was I I can't remember what episode it was, but there was some guy on the show who like in all these military conversations, they actually learned about something that was a classified military thing that they put in the show. He let the cat out of the bag. Yes. Yes. And they got in so much trouble for that because it was like, oops, I thought that was just. Wow. (laughs) Dude, you can't let stuff out. This G14 classified. Right. Can't do it. Yeah, so you, I gotta I gotta look that up what that thing is specifically, but yeah, I I, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you know that could happen. Maybe it's a good thing you don't know because if you repeat it, then you'd be letting it out again for the people that don't know about yeah. it. Yeah, probably a good thing on this podcast. I don't uh, disclose any <laughs> military secrets of yeah, any kind. Pretty pretty right on that. Yeah. Uh, but on the uh, so here's another super genre that you can pair with action uh, right. is fantasy as well. Okay. So one that comes to mind here, Pirates of the Caribbean series. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely more on the action end, but there's those fantasy elements that come under it, mm-hmm. right? So with like the the pirates and the Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. And you know yeah, I, they they all have those little bits of fantasy in them. It's weird because you you see like uh, in that movie specifically you see like ghost walking around on a ship and stuff right, like that right. and you're like okay and he's still rocking a pirate's hat and 
clothes and stuff like that. It's just really, and then so you have that element that interacts with the present element, which is people that are alive, and then everybody's warring over something. Right. It's it's crazy, but it's super entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's that uh that very swashbuckling. Yep. Very Big time. you know adventurous. Um, I rewatched the Black Pearl recently, mm. and it's, it's a good time. Okay, you know? all right, it's, it's a good time. Yep. Do you have one of those in particular that you really enjoy? Hmm, I think I've only seen the very first one. Black Pearl was second, right? Black Pearl was the first one. Was the first? Okay, yeah. so I've seen that, okay. and then I've seen the one after that. Yeah, yeah. That movie but, exploded too when it came out. You it, know, it did, I, and I think probably so because one, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Two, it's like a big time deal at Disney. Like you ever have you ever been on the ride? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So like that was one of the first rides I rode when I went to Disney. Right. And so, you know, you you see all that stuff and then you see an actual movie. Right. Like a like a a real life movie as opposed to animation or whatever. Yeah. And it's like a big deal. Yeah. Well and and it's fun too because it it's one of those things where you you watch it mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like I don't know anything else that that's kind of like this right now. Right, yeah. Because another series I'll talk about in a second, you know, really had its A-Day in the 80s, and it mm. kind of reminds me of that in a lot of ways. Okay. And that's with pairing up here the super genre of action okay. with a macro genre, which is adventure. So it's weird. That was one of the things I learned in the book was like, oh, adventure is not one of the big genres. It's a macro. It's a, it's a macro, yeah. So, but... It, a lot of films obviously have adventurous components to them. Mm-hmm. But when I think of like, because the definition of like an adventure film is basically a protagonist goes to like an exotic place and has some sort of adventure they couldn't have in the in the real world, right? Okay. And typically, yeah. so that's a lot of action that gets paired up with action, mm-hmm. with adventure. And so one that I think of that does that really well is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the yeah. Indiana Jones films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That those are those were incredible, man, because they're set so far apart in some cases. Right. You know what I'm saying? And they're about to do another one. Yeah. You heard the, about that. The Dial right? of Destiny, right? Dude, this guy is he gonna be able to do his own stunts this time? Or is I don't he know. Get That's a, a good question. Person or what? But I mean, I'm I'm I'll give him props just for being in the movie. Oh, for sure. Like, dude, he's like putting a fedora back on, yeah. a leather jacket back on. Definitely he's the back last in the game. one. Yeah. Definitely the last one for him. Well, we don't know. Because I know. thought the last one was the last one. Right. You know, but so they need redemption after <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, and you know, the sure. filmmaker, the director of that is James Mangold. Really? Phenomenal filmmaker. Now, who did all the other ones? Wasn't it? Who was it? I mean, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Yeah, Spielberg. That's right. I like James Mangold. Uh, So one of my all-time favorite films is one of his, which is Logan. Ah, Logan was great. he's very good with character drama. Yeah, Logan was great. Which I think is like the one thing that's kind of been lacking in the Indiana Jones films, Mm because it's a lot of spectacle, but not a lot of... I mean, they try to do a little bit of character drama with The Last Crusade with him and his father. Mm-hmm, yep, I remember but, that one. Yep. But James Mangold is a character drama whiz. You know, well, he's be, really good at that. So I, I hope that Disney and Lucasfilm really let him lean into that when he made this film. Yeah. That would be, be really, really be cool. It would be good to find out some stuff that we don't know about yes. the, the main character on this one. Yeah. I rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark recently, though, and there was a lot of... 
lot of stuff that I, I kind of forgotten, like, oh, wow, like, that's cool. You know, it had been forever since Tori saw it. And so we get to that scene where the the uh, Ark of the Covenant opens up. Mm. And you have all these people melting. And, I, and Tori was like, what? And then this is this is running joke in our house where we say, like, that's 80s PG. Nice. Right? Because you, you get all these movies from the 80s mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, it's PG. Okay, great. Yeah. Inside Out is PG. Yeah. Yeah. Inside Out, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right, yeah. <laughs> don't really go together. No, no, they don't. But I'm like, when I watched that effect, I was like, jeez, I, for- I forgot about yeah. how, how brutal some of these... But People the, melting. Yeah. PG. But, but, you know, action and adventure films are great showcases mm-hmm. for those special effects. Oh, and especially, yeah, the best, the especially best. practical effects like that. Cause yeah. I think the trouble now is a lot of the times we try to outsource with CGI and, Oh, we'll do that in post mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But when you see like an action film that has genuinely riveting and, ex- and well done practical effects. Yeah. I mean, how cool. It, yeah. Is because that? it just seems like it's natural. Like it's a natural fit. It seems weird when you got a great story and then the CGI effects and all the post-production. Well, it takes you out of the experience. Yeah, it takes you out of the experience, and it just seems like that doesn't belong here. You right. Know? And it just it minimizes the great writing and the great acting that's happening. When those films first came out, uh, what was your reaction to them like back in the 80s? Man, I was like, uh, I was so young. And then like like most times... Uh, I see them like a long time after they drop, right? Sure. So, but I thought it, I thought it was great. Uh, Harrison Ford was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I frequently remember when he was covered in all the uh, was it rats or was it spiders? You talking the snakes? Snakes. Yeah. The yeah. Snake no. Pit. No. 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 I'm like, dude, that would have to be a stunt man. I would not be doing that. Well, there's a there's a and I'm like, those ain't CGI snakes. Those are yeah, fake yeah, snakes yeah, there, yeah, you know? Yeah, They're really moving. And It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, so I, I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. I, I could never do that. I, well, remember what I said, though, in the, uh, the definition on action about mm. one of the things that's interesting to do with action films is we imagine ourselves in those situations. Like, yeah. very naturally, yep. we'll be like, okay, if I was in the snake pit right now, how would I handle it? I wouldn't be in there. <laughs> I wouldn't be in there. Just plain and simple. Cut. All right, uh, stand in. You're up. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be in there. I had to get dropped into that. <sighs> would be that would be something else there. That would be horrible. It's like Fear Factor, but like times. Yeah, it is. Times it is 60. like the original Fear Factor. Yeah, yeah Fear Factor is a good, good show because I I did that all the time in there. I was like, oh, would I eat that? Would mm. I? Ugh. Oh man, hissing Madagascar cockroaches. Yeah, that's not a good look either. Yeah. No. No way. No way, you know. Yeah, but that's a that's a good series, though. You know, that's a good. Yeah, I liked it. Solid. I liked it. A um, lot. There's a weird odd and even thing. So it's like with Indiana Jones, like the first one mm-hmm. is great. Second one, not so I, I don't like the second one, Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. But then the third one is good again. Yeah. And the fourth one's terrible. <laughs> so hopefully the fifth one is you know it's an odd number. Hopefully it's, an it's odd good. Number. All right. So we'll see. Cross your fingers. Yeah. So a lot of these examples that we're giving, one of the things that they all have in common is that if you look at the structures of the film, mm-hmm. so in every episode we've done, we've kind of done like, a, okay, how do you know 
if a film is primarily of this genre. Mm, so okay. like most films have romances, for example. Yeah. But the way that you could tell a film when, where it's really a romance at its heart, at its core, is is the main question you're asking throughout it, will they get together? Yeah, that that's fair. That's the giveaway, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if it's just a side plot, you know, mm -hmm. it's not the central conflict. Yeah. And uh, That's fair. the metaphysical journey is very similar in that is the central conflict that the character is going through something internal on a philosophical, religious, or spiritual level, right? Mm -hmm. So with the action, the way that you can spot an action is really in the structure. So most action films are structured around opening set piece, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think of like the exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and uh, resolution, mm -hmm. that kind of pyramid that you see, yeah. you know, in a lot of story structure charts, uh, you could go through each of those five points and usually there's an action piece around there, okay. right? Yep. So there's some sort of introductory action piece. There's an action piece uh, then, then that brings the conflict a little further. There's an action piece in the middle that tends to really up the stakes. Maybe it looks like there's no point of no return for right. the character, yeah. right? Maybe things look hopeless. And then you've got the falling action. You've got another action set piece that kind of uh, is building towards the climax, but mm -hmm. it's a result of the, the middle. And then you've got your final action set piece. Um, okay. So you see that you see that quite a bit in all these stories here. Um, something that you kind of see in common. I mean, not perfectly like that. Yeah. But really, action films are built around the action set pieces. That's kind of the way that they they structure and whatnot. Yeah, you're right about that, though. I mean, with what you're saying, um, if you're always asking, "Will they get together?" Obviously, it has to be romance, right? right? Or, hey, will they complete the mission? Obviously, it's probably action. Yeah, adventure, absolutely. Right? So, and yeah. and you, when you find yourself waiting for that next moment mm -hmm. um, of like, okay, when's the next big moment, yep. big action piece, right? And you're really seeing that uh, that journey laid out there, yeah. and you're you're kind of seeing each of those pieces represents a different aspect of the journey mm -hmm. because there's usually there are turning points. That's what action set pieces. That's what good action set pieces are supposed to do. They're supposed to be turning points for the plot and for the character as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, whether it's things going closer towards the protagonist way or closer towards the antagonist way, right. and that good tension that you're building throughout. And you can even do action. You can do this uh, and find this even in films that are primarily aimed towards families. Yeah, so for sure. One of the movies. One, I remember this conversation we had a long time ago. We had, and, and you, yeah, you. Oh, and me, okay, all right. And you said you did not like this movie. Oh man, I don't even know what it is. But it's a. This is a good example of uh, where you see that kind of action okay. adventure genre for for young people, for children. I mean, I enjoy it a lot mm. um, as an adult, and that's the Lego movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't feeling it. What do you not feel about that movie? Tell me about oh, it. Oh, man, I just, I don't know, dude. I, I just didn't like it. Um, but everything's I, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they want you to believe. <laughs> that's not, my context was like, I got to get out of here. But yeah. I was there with my, like, at the time, two small kids who were like, loved Legos. Like, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they had like stacks and stacks and stacks at home. We'd taken them to Legoland. Uh, you know, on one of my kids' birthday, we actually stayed in the hotel on the property. And 
that was cool. That yeah. was cool. But the movie, man, was like a... The movie for me uh-huh. was like a slow drag of long nails across a mile-long chalkboard. <laughs> Just wasn't... I couldn't wait to get out of there. Wow. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Wow. Even with Batman in there, it couldn't save it. Batman couldn't save it, dude. Wow. Because like it wasn't even Batman. It was some, you know... It, yeah. I couldn't do it. Slow drag, bro. Long nails. Yeah. Mile-long chalkboard. Yeah. I understand. I think the movie starts off strong. Yeah. I think it has a very a middle section that does drag quite mm-hmm. a bit. But then it's got a I mean the the what do you think of the finale with uh spoiler alert with uh with Will w- realizing that it's his son playing with Legos and Will Farrell, the dad was just, you know, this obsessive collector gluing everything together. <laughs> and then Yeah, that was kind of you know what that reminded me of? It, then, it was weird because like when it happened uh-huh. so a few minutes ago, we were talking about how something like jars you out of the story. And yeah. okay, I wasn't even in the story, yeah. but I was jarred by that. I'm like, what does that have to do with what I just saw? And, I, and then it connected, but it was like, it was still weird. Yeah. The, the coolest part about the, ex, the, the exposure was, was that it was Will Ferrell. That, that was the coolest thing for me. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, it was like, uh, it you just jarred didn't me. Didn't tug out on of your it. heartstrings? No, not even. <laughs> not even. Not even was yelling. For, uh, no, it just, no. Nah. I wasn't feeling it. Oh man! Yeah. Oh I was man! Like, what? That film utilizes uh, the chosen one trope. Hmm. You know where it's like, uh, oh, you're the chosen one. You're the one who is prophesied about who's going to make things right. Ah, uh, like and Matrix. You, yeah, you yeah. do see this. And so, if we're talking about action and we're talking about fantasy and sci-fi, mm, okay. that trope gets used yeah. a lot yep, in yep, these yep. kind of stories with the with the idea of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So usually in, in these action stories, there is one man or, or one woman or one man and one woman, one person basically who can set things right again. Mm-hmm. The, the world falls into some sort of chaos and disorder and it's up to our protagonist, the mm-hmm. hero of our story, to make things right yeah. again. Yeah, and that's a lot to put on one character. But yeah. you, you do see that over and over again. You see it with Neo and the Matrix trilogy. Yeah. You see it pretty much every Superman movie. Every, yeah. Every Superman movie ever, you see yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, since we're both people of faith, obviously... The parallel is Christ and all right, that. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you even get a, since you brought up the, the Bible, you even get narratives in the Bible that I would classify as action, like action narratives. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like we think of Samson, mm-hmm. right? And we think of what is his big moment of redemption. It's that moment At of- At the end, yeah. Right? And it's yeah. realizing that he- in order to win, he has to make a sacrifice, and he has right. to he has to bear the weight of his consequences. Yeah, you know, literally. <laughs> and and a lot of these yeah. action people, they're aspirational in the sense that there's things that they do that we want to be like, but there's also things about them that are flawed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why we like a lot of these action. Yeah, so sure. like like here's a, a great example of one uh, uh, that's paired with the the spy. Uh, espionage um, macro genre and that's of course 007 himself Ah, James James Bond Bond, right yeah I love James Bond so I had again I'm coming around (laughs) I had never seen a James Bond film what my entire life until recently 
Which one did you see? I, well, I finally saw I saw Dr. No. I okay. said, let me start in the beginning, right? See how this character is introduced. You got a lot to catch up to do, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I've heard that they're very fairly similar overall. Yeah, kind of. But near the end, let me let me just say this to you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, so Dr. No, Sean Connery, right? Yes. Good Bond. Yes, which good, is which is Bond. why I wanted to start with him because, yeah. you know, as yeah. for classic cinema, he is considered to be like the definitive Bond. So he's, like I want to do I want to do From Russia with Love. Okay. Want to yep. do Goldfinger, like right those yep. early Bond mm-hmm. classic. Yeah. And then after that, I don't know what I want to do. So Timothy Dalton, eh, it was I mean, I'm a fan of yeah. the Bond genre and the espionage genre, but Right. He was okay. Okay. And then um, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I liked Pierce because I was a Remington Steel fan, and Remington Steel was a show on TV where yeah. he was a, a PI. He was just the face and the name of the PI. Right. But, but this other lady did all the work. So because he went from that to Bond, I was like, oh, this is great. It's going to be great. Yeah. And it was okay. Mm-hmm. Bond did not become definitive for me until. Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig Casino Royale. Yeah, ca- the, Casino Royale. Casino Royale is also considered by many to be one of the no great time action to die. Films. And then there's one in the middle of uh, there's like three to four. Skyfall. Skyfall. Right. Skyfall. Okay. No time to die. Casino Royale and No Time to Die. Dude, he was the definitive Bond because he yeah. was like he broke character. He went rogue. He went against M. He suffered great loss, yeah, uh, and just you know was not the keep a step up her lip and carry on type dude. He was right. like, nah, I'm gonna get some revenge and I'm gonna do it on Britain's dime, right, if you will. Right. And um, those are those are pheno- phenomenal films. The stunts well, are incredible. The way yeah. that you can see him go through all the layers of grief that he's suffering is is great. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there's definitely layers too, and I don't know if like, uh, like, let me ask you something. What does Pam think of the James Bond films? She could care less. Yeah, yeah. I think this has got to be because I was, uh, my wife didn't like him either. Yeah. But here's what I tried to help her understand, and this is kind of what I feel. Maybe you feel the same way as mm-hmm. well. James Bond is a very masculine character, but a masculine struggle. Mm-hmm. So like. The idea of being so good at what you do, right? Because we all look at James Bond and we're like, wow, I want to be that good, mm-hmm. that competent, that excellent yep. at whatever. Because he does everything with excellence. Yep. And it's about him facing these challenges that are going to push him to be better. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of guys, like, you know, like, sure, we, yep. that's what we want out of life. But there's also like certain struggles. You get so into what you're doing that you, uh, you find it hard to connect with people. So mm-hmm. why does every Bond film have a different Bond girl? Right. Right? Yeah. You can't hold this. The, the relationships are so, they're not stable. Yeah. And there's this, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's trust that's a part of that. Mm-hmm. There's that lack of vulnerability. In the first movie I saw alone, how many times he got betrayed? And, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. geez. And that's yeah. your your whole way of life yeah, that's is the like you that. See you yeah. can never rest. And right. so it's like, well, I see why he drinks a lot mm-hmm. and why he tries to find pleasure in these very fleeting things. Yeah. You know, and so it's like that's a fascinating character because as guys, I could see that being a very genuine thing that a lot of us men can fall into. Yeah, he you know? he sees. I think as a as a as a character, James sees every relationship as transactional, 
right? Yeah. Especially yes. when it comes to the Bond girls, right? Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is transactional. They they happen to be there. He has a mission to accomplish, and you know something happens, and he meets. They, they get together, and then it's over. Right. Or right. they something happens. They get together, and then she's involved in it somehow. Right. On the opposite side of him. Yeah. Or sometimes they get together and she's involved in it on the same side as him. Sure. But from another country. So, but it's in, in either event, it's all transactional for him, right? Yeah. It's never That's a good meant word to, for it. It's never meant to have any substance or go any deeper than what you see. Yeah. Um, because like you said, he's has a mission to complete. He doesn't know who he can trust. Even though he's with this person, right. he still doesn't even know if he can trust him. He's sure. just with him for the moment, and then he's getting back to work. Right. Um, but that changes later in the series. Oh, okay, okay. You, you will see. All and, right. And to his demise, I, would, I, I should say. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's an interesting so, journey there. Yeah. And speaking of interesting journeys, all right, so I got another action one I got to bring up. This is probably the last example I'll give here. All right. But I got to bring this up. Let's hear it. Top Gun. Top Gun. I love Top Gun. Okay, so I am going to say something right now. Love Top please, Gun. please don't hate me for this. I had never seen the first Top Gun until a few months ago. I can't hate you for that, dude. And I didn't like it. Oh, there. <laughs> There it is right there. Uh, there it is. Ah. I, I, I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was a bad movie by any means. What didn't you like? A lot of it is taste. Okay. A lot a lot of it is like, I feel like we don't get a lot of, like we're rushing our character moments mm-hmm. for the sake of getting to the next big action thing. Okay. Uh, I just have a hard time in general with a really, just the super overly cocky, confident okay. protagonist that right. doesn't really seem to learn much. Um, so I don't know. It's okay. Like, I didn't think it was bad. All and right. I understand why people like it. I mean, the action is incredible. Yeah. And all that stuff. Okay. It wasn't a story that just gripped me okay. a lot you know all right. but all right but there is a but to this let's okay? hear the but so so don't don't uh you know let's hear the but i gotta hear the but i can't top, believe you didn't like but, it the but is top gun maverick okay all right well let's 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 dissect what you just said about okay. why you don't like part okay one, okay yes all right so maverick central character yes like you said over cocky just out of this world, arrogant. Right. Because he's the best. He's always been told he's the best. He's always could prove he was the best. Right. And, you know, his his sidekick, his wingman, Goose, is right there for it all, right? Right, right? right there for it all. But he's only cocky because he's with Maverick, right? He On his own, right. he's just a regular guy just right, chilling, right. you know, lucky to be somewhere. Yeah. Maverick, though, is a kind of a complex character, character because he's like in the shadow of his dad Mm, who had his own you know legacy in the navy right did great but there's some darkness that surrounds how he died right yeah and so maverick doesn't know any of that nobody will tell him anything and he's just in the dark so he's chasing that he's that's chasing him right Mm -hmm. which is kind of why he's arrogant because he wants to be better than his dad right right um but in his arrogance he doesn't learn a thing until something really bad happens. And mm-hmm. then he's forced, like you said, yeah. you know, the apex, he's forced to take a good long look at himself. Yeah. Why he does what he does, 
Like, and not only why he does it, but why he keeps repeating it, even though he knows it's bad. Right. Right. And then he finally comes to grips with like, okay, I'm good and I probably am the best, but I could be a better person as well as being a great pilot. Yeah. And so when that comes full circle, that's where we see the movie kind of take off again, right? Because right, there's this mission right. at the graduation, and he is off and running, and I won't spoil the end in case you haven't seen it. But he comes full circle, and uh, he's a little bit more humble at the end of the movie than he was right. at the beginning yeah, of the sure, movie. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's all ta- it's taste for me. It's just taste. <laughs> I still didn't every- win you over with that argument, did I? No, I agree with all that, okay, and I think that's all, right. all, that's all true. Okay, that's all there. All right. It's just taste. All right. But, but then, but, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. It, it was different. It was, it was very way different, different because what we um, what we see is is Maverick uh, years older, years older. Yes, um, because they were shot like one was in what eighty four or something, something like, that. like that, and then this is like two thousand twenty two or yeah, twenty three. Yeah, uh, and so there's a vast uh, amount of space in between it. Yet Tom Cruise looks exactly the same. Yeah, which it's is weird. funny. It's weird, but yeah. So we pick up on Maverick's story where he's older. Uh, he's still got some of the, you know, the old Maverick swag, yeah. Yeah. you know, it hasn't completely left. Uh, he still likes to do things his own way and operate as a Navy officer, but not, you know what I'm saying? Um, but he's definitely lived more life. He's definitely humbled. And even and this story humbles him this, more. This, I'm a sucker for the, uh, the aging mentor mm-hmm. pouring into the next generation yeah. type of story. Yeah, yeah, and once yeah. I saw that this is what it was going to be, yeah. I was like, oh, I think I'm really going to like this. Yeah. But then it's like, I was starting to, I make predictions all the time when I'm mm-hmm. watching things. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So I bet you Miles Teller's character who, oh, he looks like Goose. Okay, they're probably related. I wonder if he's going to be like this really cocky guy, kind of like Maverick, and he has to talk to his younger self. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing something even better. Yeah. And uh, I found the character work, the drama, the conflict. I found everything way more interesting yeah. because as an action film, the central conflict was between it was like a three-way kind of conflict between Maverick, mm-hmm. Rooster, mm-hmm. and his own guilt. Yeah. And yeah. and it and it was like it's not yes, it kept the action beats in the sense that we have a mission and this is what's going to happen. Right. And you know it had that structure, but I think a lot of re- reasons why people gravitated towards this film so much mm-hmm. was that it really had a good strong conflict yeah. that was rooted in character. Yep. And that's my favorite type of action films yeah. is when you can do that so well. And that's what I, I feel like this did better than the first one. I hear you. I genuinely, I, can hear that. I genuinely found that conflict so interesting. And my whole thing was like, is Maverick going to die? Is Rooster going to live? You, did, like you didn't know. Yeah. And, I, and know. I was legit wondering, there's no sequel coming. So that we know of. that we know of. Right. So it's like anything could happen in this. Yeah. And yeah, so I I found it very compelling and very very well done. So you said there was three three main conflicts, right? Well, three three people in the central con- three okay. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So let me let me offer up a fourth one for Okay, you. yeah. Okay, so in the first one, uh Maverick had a problem with authority. 
You're like, yeah. can, can I do a flyby? No. Right. And he flies by and right. dude wastes his coffee all over himself. Repeatedly. Yeah. Um, he gets pulled into the office, reamed out repeatedly in the first right, one. Right, So the second one, you see a more aged Maverick, seasoned Maverick, ready to mentor somebody, whatever. Right. But he still has that issue with authority, right? So yeah. John Hamm's character and him butt heads completely all the way out throughout the movie. Right. John Hamm's character is about to shut the mission down. Right. And he goes there to shut it down, and Maverick's on a plane when he's not supposed to be. Yeah. And and the plane that yes, he's not supposed yes. to be on, right? Yes. Talking to him over the the communication. Right, right, thing. right, right. And I'm like, yeah, he still has a problem with authority. So there's there's that and yeah, the three ones true. you mentioned. That's right? true. So yeah. 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 But I love it. I yeah. love it, man. What a dope mission uh to put them in as well. Because mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. much everybody was like, Well, it's it can't be done. And so since it can't be done, let's get Maverick to plan it out because we want him out of the way anyway, right? Right. But he couldn't go out of the way. They couldn't just off Maverick because of Iceman. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's a it's a good, solid story. Love it. Really good action. Uh, didn't look like a lot of CGI. Probably looked really practical. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I learned about that movie? What? So Tom Cruise is, um, he's a little bit out there, man. Yeah. He's a little oh, bit out absolutely. there, right? Absolutely. 100, so 100. He does all of his own stunts, man. Yeah. He actually owns a plane. So I think in some scenes, he's actually flying a plane. That's incredible. Um, yeah. He, I, I don't know how he does it, but he, he does like probably 90% of his own stunts in movies. Wow. Like I recently saw him getting ready for the new Mission Impossible movie. Right. And he's... <laughs> he's riding a motorcycle off a ramp off the side of a mountain mm. and parachuting down. Like, it's actually him. It's not a stuntman. It's actually Tom Cruise. And then there's one where he was actually strapped to the side of a plane uh, in a Mission Impossible movie, and the plane took off, and he's like multiple thousands of feet in the air mm-hmm. strapped to the side of a plane. So it's just... He's probably just an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, He's man. Like, great. Let me. How can I weave this into? It, my it makes it makes for great movies, though. Makes it does. for great action movies. I mean, I could never do it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise, but I am a big <laughs> fan of what he produces. Of well, no, I'm a big fan of like what he can do, though. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, and and Maverick was a. Uh, you know, it was very hyped up for me by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I see it now. Mm-hmm. I see the hype. It's yeah. real. It's good. It is. It's very good. I was, you know, very good film. Yeah, the story is super it's, integrated. It's like I the, uh, it. I was like telling Tori, this is like the Spider-Man No Way Home for Top Gun fans. Mm. You bring all these people back. Yeah. And you got Val Kilmer. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh. Yeah. yeah, the music it cracked me up that it started with the same 80s mm-hmm. music. Yeah, oh, yeah, they man. didn't update it at all. It's just the same no, thing. No, it's just the same thing. I'm like, Kenny okay. Loggins getting paid yet again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, though. So that's a lot of examples that we've kind of given and gone through. Like, one of the things we're not going to get into specifically in this episode is the superhero genre because that's a whole other animal yeah. in and of yeah. itself right yeah. so we'll yeah. do this eventually there'll be an, a separate episode on that but let me ask you something yeah let's hear it 
What uh, superhero film do you think has the best action? Ooh, the man. Because I don't even know that I've seen them all. Like, but you've probably seen a lot of the big ones. Yeah, I've so. seen the big ones, man, and I and I like the big ones. Um, there's elements about all of them that I like. Okay, so let's talk about the first one that DC did with uh, the Hall of Justice. So it was Spider Man. I'm sorry, it was Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Right? Remember? You mean the Batman v Superman or yes, the, that or one. the Zack Snyder's Justice League? No, no, not that one. The, the, the Batman yeah, v Superman. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When when Superman was dead, they brought him yes, back, yeah. and he was like, did not know who he was. That's that's Justice League where they bring him back. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so he he didn't know who he was, and he was like about to turn on his friends mm-hmm. and like just destroy them, like literally destroy them, and they had yeah. to like hold him back. I thought that was I thought that was awesome because we would have never seen that or maybe I don't know right but I thought that was cool yeah. so a good action there between Batman and Superman yeah the 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 Zack Snyder's Justice League that four hour cut mm. is so good yeah I haven't is, seen all four hours it's worth it's I mean you'll never watch the theatrical Justice League again oh wow you'll, okay no oh I think yeah yeah it's it's amazing how of two different versions of a film can be so different. Yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think one of the top tier comic okay. book films. Yeah. Regular Justice League theatrical version. W- way down there. One of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> one of the worst. Yeah. So I like that. And okay. then I totally like Captain America, the first one. Winter Soldier, great action. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not Winter, a lot of Winter Soldier's got great yeah. action scenes. Just incredible stuff. Yeah. Incredible stuff. And then um Pretty much any Spider-Man with extended, elongated scenes of him swinging. Yes, yes, the fantastic. Web's- yeah, fantastic. So yeah, yeah I, I'm, I love them. Yeah, I yeah. love when you can feel the weight in the web swinging scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. The fact that they could bring that. I mean, I remember watching the first one, um, the Toby, the first of the Tobey Maguire trilogy, mm-hmm. and and they brought it to life in, in the films, and just seeing him swing for like yeah. in the suit mm-hmm. for the first yep, time yep, yep. Oh, was yeah. like epic for me. Yeah, you same know? here, same I, here. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I've yeah. lived long enough to see this happen. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of good action in in superhero films. Mm-hmm. I still remember um, remember the whole crazy sequence in the Dark Knight in the middle of the film where they're chasing like through the tunnels. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the car flips over mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, so much of those scenes where I'm just like, wow, that's real. Yeah, they really did that. Yeah, oh, they really did that too. Yeah, that was insane. That yeah. was an insane yeah. uh, um, piece of film too. It was crazy. And the the cool part about the the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah, I haven't seen any any Batman movies after that, uh, was they they brought the story into it with his parents and all that right, stuff, right, right. and you know you could see why he's dark, you know why he kind of has some issues, mm-hmm. right? I once heard a a guy say, uh, Batman's not really a superhero. He's a he's a guy with issues. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, well, fair. it's trying to have mastery over those things, yeah. right? Because, yep. again, that whole idea of the journey is that the journey is not in vain. When, exactly. you go, when yep. you go on a journey of some sort and you uh, face these different trials and challenges that are action uh, set pieces, you know, you think about your life, right? Mm-hmm. We all would have what I call turning points in our lives. Yep. These moments that are filled with action. Mm-hmm. They are filled, and a lot of action is decisions. These little decisions that can make 
an enormous amount yeah. of difference and carry weight to them, right? Yep. So when you think about your life journey mm -hmm. and you think about your life as action, mm -hmm. what, what's one of those moments that comes to mind for you that's just a really huge action-packed turning point in the journey, in the adventure of life? Ooh, man, there's so many. Um I think mean, one that jumps off the page right away is uh, probably my freshman year as a college student. Mm -hmm. uh, I was leaving home uh, to live somewhere else for the very first time. Uh, it was, you know, thousands of miles away. It was yeah. like a like a thirteen hour car ride away. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, my dad had just passed away. I was a high school senior graduating. My dad had just passed away the same year, mm. and so I was leaving my mom behind. I didn't quite know if I was going to have enough money to even stay at college. Wow. But I was driving 13 hours to find out. Yeah. So um, so did that, got there. It worked out, barely, but it did work out. Um, and it was just like getting there, going through all the orientation stuff, wondering in the back of my head, if this doesn't work out, like I have to really like get back in my car and drive 13 hours home. Right. Like after my mom has sent me off. Yeah. My church has sent me off. Wow. Everybody thinks that I'm going to college. Right. And then I'm going to show back up with a full car being like, I'm back. Yeah. You know, and it just was would have been a horrible, devastating type of thing to go through, but it all worked out. Yeah, because that's the idea of going on the journey. Like you see the, the hero's journey. The whole idea is that when the hero is sent off, mm -hmm. there is something that they are meant to get whether it's a piece of knowledge yep. an item right a macguffin like different things that they can bring back to uh their hometown to their place so that way they can enrich the lives of those people there yeah. so i think of college as a great metaphor and a great experience that mm -hmm. parallels that right you go off to college you go on this journey mm -hmm. and then the idea is that when you come back you know into you know, quote unquote, like the real world, yeah, you know, yeah. you come back and you offer something of value yeah. uh, to the world yep. again. So that that's why that's one of the most crucial moments, I think, for your life um, is you're on your own, right? Mm -hmm. You've learned all that you've needed to learn from the village. They've instilled these things right. in you. Now yep. you go off on your own. You do this and you come back and find some way to better the stories of those around you. Right. And that's that's the journey right there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a launch point for me. Um, and, and college is a launch point for a lot of um, young people, I think. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, for the first time, maybe in some cases, they're out on their own. You know, right. they have to have their own budget. They have to do their own laundry. They have to, in some cases, make friends from nothing because they don't know anybody where they're going yeah. um, all this stuff they got to find a job way to right. support themselves and then on top of all that you got to study and, and mm -hmm. stay in school right, right. and so um, yeah that was a huge point for me man I just I, I clearly vividly remember that 13 hour drive because I was in yeah. a 1982 uh, Firebird uh, with no AC Wow. driving in August from Florida Birmingham, Alabama, Dang. with like 95 plus degree heat and LL Cool J banging in the background. <laughs> now that's crazy. a story. Yeah, it was awesome though. It all worked out. But like you said, um, had 
had I been forced to come home, right? Yeah. I would have never worked at WVSU, which was our college radio mm-hmm. station. Never would have got that experience. Yeah. Uh, never would have came back after school and worked at WayFM for 13 plus years. Yeah. Here in South Florida, uh, with no radio knowledge, and wow. I never would have probably, I probably, probably would have still did music, but it just wouldn't have taken off as fast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, man, those sliding doors slide all the time, and it could slide for your blessing, or it could slide for maybe a harder road. But yeah. uh, God is in both of them in either right. way. Um, but it just, it worked out. And now you're in your Top Gun Maverick phase, where <laughs> now you're imparting that to the next generation, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess humbling them. Yeah, well, yeah, and still getting humbled and myself. Still getting humbled. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but unlike Maverick, I can't fit back into the jacket anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Need a whole new jacket. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. Man. Well, Proverb, uh, as we're closing out, I just want to say thank you so much for coming hey, on. Always a blast, bro. Yeah, talking about the journey. The journey, man. The journey of life. And so that's actually, a, I don't know if I've told you this before, but that's actually a narrative practice. Uh, really? Is the journey of life. I do that in my Live a Meaningful Story program where I we, we pull all the pieces of our story together and we conceptualize it as a journey. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, I think, one of the most powerful uh, things that I get to see. One of my favorite moments is when they get to tell their story through as the journey of life. Nice. It's incredible. That's dope. If you want to learn more about that, check out allthingsnarrative.com. And if you want to learn more about Proverb Newsom, uh, mm. where can they find you? They can find me very simply at ProverbNewsome.com. That's P-R-O-V-E-R-B-N-E-W-S-O-M-E.com. And thanks for having me on. And I was like to say on the Soul Journey, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip. That's it right there. <laughs> That's it right there. Well, thank you, Prov. And this is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off, saying thank you. And until next time, take care.